Hello, hello, and welcome back to Agency Nation Radio. My name is Ryan Hanley, and I am I found him sitting in the back of a of a lonely bar in some wayward part of the country and, and scraped him up off the floor and I and I brought Marty back. He's back. Martin, it's nice to have you on the show, man. Ick. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Just working off my hangover. <laughs> <laughs> So um, everyone has been very distraught that you haven't been on in a while, and and we're just glad uh, to have Marty. Say, or they've been really happy because they haven't had to listen to me rant and rave. Um, oh, we're we're glad to have you back. Dynamite. Happy good to thing be here. is, uh, we have an, Go ahead. We have a very interesting show for everyone today. I think we have some cool topics and some things that we can dive into headfirst. Certainly. Um. As usual, things are moving forward rapidly in our industry. Um, you know, and, and I think as I think as a uh, uh, maybe a, maybe an intro to this whole topic, I think um, we go back to a show that you and I did at some point in the past, where we sort of uh, reviewed the McKinsey report. And uh, that was, you know, it's it's euphemistically known as the death of the agent. But I, in our last review of that, we said we're four years on. And, uh, you know, hey, hey, this thing wasn't such crazy talk after all. It actually has a whole lot of um, relevance to where we are. And I think to top the, the two topics that we're talking about today are immediately and directly falling out of that report. Yeah, so... So let's let's get right into it. First, we're gonna we're gonna tackle the the uh, age old topic of lemonade, and most certainly um, a couple of recent announcements. I mean, these guys are PR wizards. Uh, whether they actually uh, are good at running an insurance business or not is yet to be seen. But they're gonna they are pushing forward. What they are tremendous at, tremendous, as good as anyone in the industry, probably the best in the industry. Uh, is creating news and news that people talk about. And uh, here we are talking about here it. we are talking about them. So first, uh, so the first one I want to get into is um, is actually a recent announcement that they made after uh, the horrific tragedy in Las Vegas. Um, they came out with an announcement that they are reducing the coverage that they provide on their uh, renter's insurance and homeowner's insurance policies for firearms, damage or theft of firearms, um, to an to what they call an entirely adequate $2,500. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, they What they say here in this is, uh, we'll continue crafting our policies for the vigilant gun owner not the vigilante gun owner. And um, I have my opinions on this. Um, Bill Wilson wrote an incredible follow-up article to this, which we'll also have linked up in the show notes. Everything we talk about today will be in the show notes. This is episode number 98. Just go to agencynation.com forward slash podcast to find the episode. But um, but those were a couple of things that stood out to me. And Marty, I'm, I'm super interested in your take on this. Well, I, without 
you know, stepping on too many toes. I think your first blush reaction and, and much of Bill's post and the comments um, that surround it were a step too far. Um, I don't believe in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's hard to tell. Obviously, we're working from a press release, which is not policy coverage. So that's the first caveat that we're going to throw out here. Um, but I, I don't believe that this is specifically designed to impact third-party liability. And that seems to be sort of the, the focus of the industry. I, I think ultimately it may have... Um, an issue with third-party liability claims, claims arising out of um, lemonade policyholders, but that's not, I don't think their intent is to limit coverage to third parties. What they are doing is they're they are limiting the first-party coverage, at least that's what I get out of the um, press release, and, and you, you, you alluded to it in the, in the uh, intro to this. They're limiting coverage for um, damage to theft of owned weapons. Okay. And, um, we can argue whether $2,500 is a legitimate, uh, amount for, um, a collector or an enthusiast or whatever you want, you know, whatever you might own one gun and it's one weapon and it's worth far more than $2,500. Um, but, Essentially, what I think that does is it says that if you are um, an, an, an enthusiast with more than some small number, a handful, give or take, of weapons, then you should find a different insurer. Um, and ultimately, what I think that will do is that will limit the number of insureds that they have that they believe might be sort of in this super ultra limited subset of people that could create could cause problems with a weapon but um i don't i don't see it as a as an attempt to limit their liability by saying our policy will not cover this type of act yeah so i'm in agreement with you that uh that the initial response that most of the industry had around uh, third-party liability was inaccurate the point that bill actually makes is that uh though almost every uh, homeowners or HO4 policy would um, would exclude the intentional act of a gunman, you know, doing what the gunman did in Las Vegas. Uh, it's the accidental negligent shooting that would be covered under most homeowners policies. So it depends on how they're writing up the coverage. If they're excluding assault rifles from the policy, then that would also assume that potentially any accidental shooting um, that would be covered under a normal policy would be excluded. So it all depends on how they write that up. I'll tell you what bothered me the most about this. And, uh, and I know no one that works at Lemonade, but I can tell you what my first impression was. This is kind of a shitty PR play uh, after what happened in Las Vegas. And like if, and, and here's what I mean by that is... You know, they're saying, you know, it, it says right on the top of this, 
The 600 casualties from one of the deadliest mass shootings in U.S. history made us rethink our coverage. And really what they're doing is making a really tiny adjustment to their policy in terms of exactly what you said, first-party theft or damage of a coverage. So they're making this tiny little tweak in their policy from probably $5,000 to $2,500, right? I think the standard ISO form covers $5,000 in firearms. So they're cutting it by half, this tiny little tweak, but making this big deal out of it and doing a press release like there for the respectful gun ownership. And I think that's kind of freaking sleazy, man. Like, I, I'm not saying that they don't have the right to do this. They do. And I know that they put said at the bottom, this is part of their ethics of insurance series and their, you know, whatever. And then, hey, if this is what they feel they have to do to support, um, uh, you know, vigilant versus vigilante gun ownership then I guess that's what you have to do. But to me, this is playing, this is a really kind of sleazy way of playing on a tragedy. And, um, you know, I, I hope that they coming at this with the best intentions. But to me, this is a 500 word press release that basically announces a relatively small change in their policy form. That's that's their like big stance against gun ownership. And why does it take a 600 person tragedy, you know, a 600 injury casualty, you know, whatever um, uh, tragedy for them to do this and and to put this right after the Las Vegas shooting? I don't know. I just feel like this is not how you go about this. And I didn't really like that personally. To me, it made me think like, wow, they're kind of jumping on this really awful thing. And I don't, I mean, I get that some people are going to pound the desk and say good for them and, and all that, but I, I didn't like that. I, um, it just, to me, it didn't feel right. It wasn't big enough to say that you really are taking a stance. That's my point is that it's not a big enough change. It's just not that much money in the grand scheme of things. You're still covering $2,500 worth of guns, right? I mean, a small uh, uh, you know, figure what a nine millimeter that you're going to keep in your drawer for protection against your family or like a, a hunting rifle. Those are a couple hundred bucks, you know, five, $700, a thousand bucks covers a one gun in the house. But you know, this is still three, four guns in the house. You could still have, uh, you know, an arsenal to a certain extent. It just, it just doesn't seem that for, for how you're positioning against Las Vegas, what happened in Las Vegas, which was absolutely horrific, to then, I, I don't know, to me it just didn't seem right. It seemed like a PR play, and whether they believe it or not, at least to me it did not come off. It came off very preachy, and um, I don't know. just, just The not- reason you are going to regret having searched high and low in the – seedier bars in Minneapolis is about to hit you full force. The One of the ultimate marketers in the insurance industry just told you he doesn't like insurance marketing, okay? If there's anything that, in, that, that Lemonade does well is they make mountains out of molehills. This is a molehill. You're absolutely right. There was no coverage... There was no real coverage change. It, it, it really didn't demonstrably change the policy. And you're absolutely right. They played an international tragedy 
to their own devices. But big picture, it's what they always do. They take inconsequential things and they wrap themselves in the mantle of we're doing this for the right reason and they make political and news hay out of it. That's what these guys are brilliant at. Oh, right? I agree with I you mean, there, yeah. the, the, fact, the fact that they are going to give quote-unquote underwriting profits to your favorite charity, but they forget, forget to tell you that 20% of policy premiums get handed off to their sales arm. Which is more than commissions to, to 98% okay. I mean, of the agents. You know, they don't have depreciation. Well, we know about replacement costs. I mean, the point is, these guys are masters at spinning silk out of sow's ears. And that's yeah, what but, this is. But you know what? I, this comes back to bite you in the ass. I, I'm, yes, I would, I am a firm believer. Obviously I love great marketing. I love great storytelling. This isn't great storytelling. This is newsjacking. And, and I just think newsjacking is the worst kind of marketing that exists. And you mean, you mean that clickbait that goes, you're not going to believe what your favorite movie star looks like now. Yes. Yeah. All that (laughs) crap, you know, and, and I agree with you, man. And like the zero, everything, there was nothing new in their zero everything policy. They just spun certain terms to make it sound like they were doing something different. And look, God bless Lemonade for making us have these conversations, right? These are incredibly smart people trying to do something um, that you have to give them credit for. And I don't knock them. I just, I wouldn't, here's the thing. I would never want a brand that I work for to work for to be associated with this story. Because to me, this is newsjacking. This is the worst kind of marketing it's lowest common denominator stuff that ultimately makes that makes you hate the brands that do this kind of stuff. So but playing sure. off a of tragedy, playing off of tragedy yeah. is never a long term yeah. a, a long term play, right? Or a strategy. So I, I agree. Now are we are we uh, have we beat this one? Yeah, yeah. Because I want to go to the other piece of lemonade news that I think is Yes. Newsworthy and that we we really need to to get to. So just prior to all this going down, um, Lemonade, you know, sort of raised some eyebrows among, uh, I would say, maybe a limited subset of the industry. Those of us that are sort of kind of watching, you know, where where this whole industry is going. And that was with their announcement um, that they've extended uh, and made available an API into their policy uh, quoting and issuance system. Ryan, take it. Yeah, no. So the API system to me, this is this is so this is really what I think. I wish Lemonade focused on. Like it's a business because I mean, look, do I always root for independent insurance agencies a hundred percent? But is it kind of fun to see this company coming in and do crazy things that? you know, really no independent agency organization has the balls to do. Yes, it's freaking wicked fun. I mean, you try to make an API integration into most carriers today, and it's like a year-long process. And these guys have now made an open API that you can build into your application and sell with commission a lemonade policy through. I mean, it's... Well, we don't know We don't know if you sell yeah, it with commission, the, right? Because... So, yes, yes, okay, sorry. But, I was just a step too far. I apologize. There's some inferring in here. There's a little bit of an inference. But but you can now pull 
this this their entire program right into an application that you're building, which could I mean, which there's a million use cases for. It can be data exchange. It can be there's all kinds of things. But it's open. It's it's bam. Here you go. You want to build it in? You can build it in. And it's like it. This is this is today. This is remedial stuff in in a in a broader sense in our industry. This is friggin' revolutionary. It's incredibly smart by them. It puts the, it sets them way, way out ahead of any of their competition in the independent space. And really, when you're looking at the people who don't care about direct versus independent versus captive, right? We care. These are lines that we've we've drawn on the map that that every other person outside of our industry could care less about. So when you look at big brands, big media organizations that that are looking at, okay, we have tons of traffic coming in around financial-related articles and insurance-related articles, and where are we going to send that traffic to monetize it? And, oh, this company, which has a, you know, a, a catchy logo and a cool, cool thing, uh, or sorry, a cool, a cool thing, a cool user experience... <laughs> And and now they have an open API that we can just zip into our own platform and build in. But I think so I'm going to work I, with these yeah, guys. Yeah, let, let me let me unpack a little bit about that because you you ran by a lot of stuff that might have been a little dense for some of our listeners. So first of all, think about a a business partner like a um, a financial organization like an investment house or maybe it's a real estate broker. Um, who has a website where they get a lot of visitors. The idea with this API is it's basically a toolkit that allows that realtor to expose, um, to, to show on their website a lemonade little tool that would allow a, a prospective homeowner to figure out how much his homeowner's insurance might cost and more importantly, um, purchase the policy. We had a little uh, we had a little momentary disagreement there on commissions. Um, the issue there is, as many of you are probably aware, you've got to be a licensed agent in order to earn commissions. But there's all different sorts of ways that um, you can be involved in business and be compensated. So, it, but it just can't be based upon the success of actually closing the deal. So that real estate broker who's got that um, lemonade tool on his website now he instead of being instead of making a, a commission per se if he if 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 Ryan the home buyer purchases the policy um, actually what happens is if if Marty's brokerage site sends Ryan to lemonade Marty gets paid whether Ryan buys or not because otherwise I'm compensated based on sales performance which the typical Department of Insurance is going to say you're being commissioned therefore and Marty you are a real estate agent you're not an insurance agent so therefore we're gonna bust you right so that's the sort of that's sort of the the the, uh, the bright line that we can't cross is we can't but but the the, the net net on this whole thing is if this doesn't put absolute churning concern in the pit of your stomach and you are in the independent agency channel, you're half asleep. This is a, a clear indication that these guys are not willing to let this be business as usual. They are out hunting new policyholders and they are trying to expand their ecosystem to touch as many of our prospective clients, but more importantly, our existing clients as possible. It's, it's amazing 
It's horrifying, terrifying, scary, phenomenal. I mean, God, I, <laughs> I just, I wish that, um, I wish that we moved that fast. I wish that we prioritized it in a way and, and understood the ramifications on a broad scale. And, and really, you know, there are, you know, there, there are people out there. So some of you listening to this are like, Ryan, we already do some of this stuff. And I know, but you talk to Jeff Roy, you talk to Seth Zaremba, you talk to uh, Parker Bocamp from, from InGuard and, and geez, just getting simple integrations into carriers is like so difficult today. And you know, I, from our for our carrier friends listening, like I get it. There's legacy issues. Uh, we talked to Mike LaRocca from from State Auto, and he point blank said, you know, a lot of these systems that carriers were originally built on are so old at this point and so expensive to fix that you you almost have to consider just building again from scratch, and that's scary as hell. So so neither Marty nor myself are trying to discount the uh, stress, the cost, the the risk involved with um with opening up your systems and being more nimble but i i would like to think that and maybe this is maybe this is uh naive or 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 or, uh or or trying to paint too bright a picture but um guys i think the risk of not doing it is getting is very soon going to be more than not doing it and i you know the people who wait you're just going to get mowed down i mean the it's there's just not if you if you're not attracting so I talked a little bit about on the show uh the, the YouTube show um a couple weeks ago about carriers stepping out front and taking control of their brand. So if you're not investing in technology, which which uh, some carriers are, but but most aren't, uh in, in a in a serious way. I don't mean like the little things. I mean, you're 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 trying to build open APIs. You're integrating with with carrier management systems. You're not making it so incredibly difficult to run rate quotes and, and pull these things. Um, that you're increasing your performance. You know that, that just the, the really really true infrastructure and logistical technology improvements. Um, and you don't control your brand in the digital space. Like you're not investing in advertising and marketing and and owning the attention of the clients you're trying to serve, I mean, at a certain point, you're almost choosing to be irrelevant. And, uh, you know, and, th- and that's a really tough thing to swallow, especially as some carriers do make these investments and agencies don't necessarily need 20 carriers to compete, right? I mean, a, an agency that has five or six really good relationships with carriers, that's basically all they need. So if you're seventh on their list and you're not really doing anything to, to differentiate yourself or provide true value, when do you start? Why would they ever send business your way? I mean, this is, this is how you have to think. I, you know what I'm, I'm not trying to be overly apocalyptic here. I just, you know, at a certain point, we have to start working in reality that agents aren't just going to put business with everyone anymore, that we've gotten to the point where where carrier sculpting and true partnerships are becoming the real value and agents are starting to limit the number of carriers that they place business with. And, and a lot of that has to do with carriers increasing contingency triggers and stuff like that. So uh, I need to put more business with one carrier to get my contingency check. I mean, these are the, all the types of things that make it so that 
If you don't truly define yourself as a partner and a real player in 2017 and soon to be 2018, agents just aren't going to put business with these carriers anymore. They're, they're going to work with the ones that are moving forward. I, I'm hesitant to pile on, which if you believe that, there's a bridge I'd like to sell you. <laughs> but, um, Ryan, if you were sitting at... Uh, the bar in a hotel at uh, one of the events that we attend on a regular basis and you were chatting with an agency principal who whose line to you was Ryan you know I appreciate all the stuff you've been telling us about over you know the past years and months on Agency Nation and all the work you've done here and 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 the, the thoughts you shared today but, you know, it's almost impossible for me to um, move forward with any of those initiatives because I'm deep in the throes of trying to figure out which agency management system I should, my first agency management system I should buy. What would your response be? I mean... One, there are plenty of agency management systems that are perfectly fine. Two, um, there are agency management systems that are plugged into Salesforce, like Tech Canary, that are incredibly powerful tools today. Uh, there are lead um, acquisition, tracking, and distribution systems like an Appliant that you can easily plug on top of a Tech Canary to manage your lead, uh, your lead infrastructure and your lead monitoring. I mean, all the tools are there. I would basically say bullshit. You don't want you don't want to put in the work, right? You don't want to have to make the tough decision. There we go, and that's and that's where that's where I wanted you to go. And so I think we are rapidly approaching that same watershed moment when a carrier says, "Do you realize that I have all these back end internal process things that I need to get done? Therefore, I can't join the twenty first century." Great. And I'd That's say point. if you're sitting there today and you still make me fax in applications for commercial lines, why would I ever quote you when I can go to Travelers and get a quote online for a bop in 30 seconds, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I actually talked, I just talked to a carrier uh, in Ohio and they're like, meh, we're good. You know what I mean? Like we're 10 states and... Uh, you know, we don't, we don't, you know, we got a good agency force and I'm like, yeah, really? Because the world is moving super fast and well, I mean, as, why you got, you got super regionals like Westfield and Central and Motorist making big technology moves. All three of those companies are making big technology moves. And when a super regional can deliver the same quality product with, at, at a rapid speed, how does a five-state carrier compete with that? I mean, it's impossible. It's impossible. You just you have no competition. Well, it's 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 impossible if you keep your feet I mean. stuck in the sand, right? In 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 order in order to compete, you need to be as nimble or more. And don't so, tell me right? that the fact that you're not that big makes that big a difference. Because look at Plymouth Rock. Look what they're doing in Pennsylvania. They come out with the 
They're pre-underwriting every home that exists in the state of Pennsylvania. So in less than 30 seconds, you can literally have a bindable homeowner's quote, and they're delivering that to their independent agents. They're doing something similar. I think the next rollout is in like either New York or New Jersey. They also have a really cool um, ride-sharing program coming out in New Jersey. So it's like you and New, Plymouth Rock's like a seven-state carrier. So it's like I just it is. Where do you want to be? You can't stick your head in the sand. And, you know, the, the companies that, and I, and I actually said this, I said this in the show too, like as, as Agency Nation evolves, as TrustedChoice.com evolves, and we start to offer more and more products and services to our carrier partners because I, be, I believe in this channel so deeply. I know you do, Marty, too. And the things that we say aren't meant to be accusatory. It's that we, we're in this space. I mean, Marty and I are at two, three conferences each every single month, and we're seeing what insure tech companies are doing. We're watching what's happening outside the industry. We're seeing, uh, you know, and talking to people who are customer experience professionals and, and, and uh, technology professionals, and we're just watching what's happening in the marketplace. And the reality is, and this is the other story that we wanted to talk about, guys, Tesla is selling insurance in the United States through their Tesla program. Independent agents don't get it. Captive agents don't get it. Directs don't get it. You buy insurance for your Tesla through Tesla. Now, great, Liberty Mutual is right as the underwriter on the paper, and they're an independent agency carrier. But you know, and that's in in one in one, in one iteration, iteration yeah, and there right? Maybe more over time. Yeah. But the point is, you're probably never going to write insurance on a Tesla ever again. Why would you ever insure your Tesla with anyone other than Tesla? Because they know Tesla is better than anybody. And if you look at their coverage plan, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's not like they have a brand name or anything. Nobody's ever heard yeah. of that car. And it's not like we're all going to be driving, right? not driving Teslas pretty soon, since since basically no one else has figured out how to come, come close to their technology yet. So it's like, you know, this, it just, I just, I'm like, I get so frustrated sometimes because we, you know, we love to rock back in our big leather chairs and say, you know, this is the insurance industry, Ryan. We move slow. You have to understand and have patience and we'll get there someday. And it's like, I don't know that we can do that anymore because for a couple different reasons, part of it is attention, right? If you're not talking about your brand, if you're not stepping out front, if you're not telling your story, if you're not engaging with customers uh, uh, on a direct basis, I mean, there, I went through my phone, I went through Instagram today, and there are six carriers out of the first probably 15 that I tried that don't even have Instagram accounts. They don't even have Instagram accounts. Now, I'm going to throw this out there. If you're an insurance carrier and you do not have an Instagram account, call me tomorrow. Call me as soon as you hear this. We will run your Instagram account for you. We'll run it. Agency Nation will run your Instagram account for you. You call me tomorrow. We'll talk about it. You have to be there. I mean, and that's the basic stuff. I didn't even test Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat or, you know, YouTube. or any, I, I just went on Instagram and started looking up names of insurance brands and just, I'm literally just whatever came to the top of my head and six out of the first 15 didn't even have Instagram accounts. I, 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 how can you be a legitimate bit? I mean, Almost every independent agency I know is a friggin' Instagram account. And even if you were an inst- if you were an independent agency, I could kind of see it because if you were heavy on Facebook and stuff, and I could see you might 
not have the capacity. But if you're an insurance carrier, oh my gosh, guys, there's got to be somebody in the building that can run your Instagram account. And if you don't want to do that, we'll do it for you. So call me. I'm 100% serious. We will run that account for you and we'll make it gangster as shit. And I mean that in a good way. Like, because this, because this is important stuff. Like, this is how important this is. We have to embrace communicating with our customers so that when our agents push carrier, a carrier proposal across the table and they're like, you know what? I want you to do business with this carrier. You trust me? I want you to trust this carrier. And they've never heard of your brand before. And they're like, man, I've never heard of them before, Marty. I've never heard of that company. Are you sure these guys are good? How come I've never heard of them? There's like... 100 insurance companies I've heard of before. I've never heard of these guys before. That's a problem. That's, a, that's tough for your agents to sell. And you know what happens is your agents stop pushing your paper across the desk because they'd rather sell. They don't want to have to sell twice. They don't have to sell themselves. They don't have to sell the coverage. It's actually three sales. They have to sell themselves. They have to sell the coverage. And then they have to sell your brand. And if it's really hard for them to sell your brand, they're just going to push someone else's brand across the table. And that should not be the case. There are too many great insurance carriers that are not working on their brand, that are not getting everything they can out of their relationship with agents because they're not stepping out front with their brand. We can help with that. Call me tomorrow. I'll take over one of your social media accounts and we'll make it awesome. So that's my proposal. I'm throwing it out there. That's a hard right right hook. Yes, it is. You're way off time. There it is. I'm... All right, let's let's get back to let's get back to Tesla yeah, and auto quick, insurance, shall we? Okay, so so one of the one of the challenges that um, our industry has is we're not very good dealing with those areas where we don't have a lot of experience, and and this is the classic example, right? So um, as Forget about the fact that it's an electric-powered car. Now let's go to the fact that it's going to, you know, more and more of the driving capabilities are going to move from, you know, augmented capabilities to fully, you know, do it on behalf of the driver capabilities. That is going to create um, huge liabilities, but it's also going to create a dearth of data, right? There's not going to be enough information out there on there isn't going to be a hundred years of driving data for cars that drive themselves and that is going to create a huge question mark for um the quant types at the insurance companies right so um those actuaries are just going to go cannot compute cannot compute can't divide by zero so tesla elon musk the the uh CEO of Tesla has basically said, if we believe that the industry is overpricing the drivers of our cars, when he says the industry is talking about us, right, the standard run-of-the-mill mainline insurance companies, if the industry is overpricing the owners of our cars for the smaller risk profile that our cars uh, present on the nation's highways, we'll get in the business ourselves. That should be a wake-up call too, all right? Um, The first evidence of this is some data that they cite about the fact that all of their cars were lumped into the same sort of uh, uh, ISO um, 
symbol. That's that's shorthand. It's not ISO, I don't think. But it, but the National Highway Traffic Safety Institute, whatever the heck that is, um, has lumped all of the Tesla models into a single delineator and all of the experience the loss the loss costs are all rolled up into that one um, that one model rather than being separated out across models so already they're making a stink saying it's not appropriate for the buyer of one of our entry-level cars to be lumped into the same class as somebody who's buying one of our uh, super premium luxury cars because the costs of the units are different and potentially the cost to repair are different, et cetera, et cetera. So what you are beginning to see is our, for good reason we rely on data, but, but, this, but this mismatch between available data that exists and the amount of data we want in order to make fully um, actuarial uh, proven assumptions and loss costs and create pricing tables, it doesn't happen. And so we end up in a situation where we, the independent channel, either offer a product that's non-competitive or we don't offer a product at all because we don't know how to deal with it. And that is coming directly out of this environment that we're in, right? Another, another area where our not only our carriers but also the agencies the the people that are doing the ultimate risk assessment and finding homes for that stuff where we need to educate ourselves and become better at doing what we do yeah. in this I new think the environment. other part of it too is uh you know this 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 was coming uh tesla's a smart you know to me um i don't know that we've done anything really wrong in this particular case i mean obviously you stated a couple of things and I, and I think those are very legitimate i just think we the idea keep for me it keeps coming back to a couple things right um we can't assume that we can ever rebuild the businesses that we have today the way that they were originally built and that in every in every aspect of our business there are people coming in and tr and are going to be taking small little chunks away right and i wrote an article maybe a year ago now, death by a thousand insurtech startups, right? And this is another version of that. And what if the next um, autonomous car, self-driving car um, company has an insurance policy? And what if Ford decides to do this with their electric cars or self-driving cars, right? I mean, th this is the kind of thing that it doesn't, it's not going to, just because Tesla is not everyone is going to buy this policy, uh, people are still going to insure their Teslas through through independent and direct and captives. But it's just another piece, and and the whole point is, guys, if we're not if we're not owning our brand in the space, if we're not building the attention of consumers, drawing them in, getting them to trust us and want to do business with us, then all that's going to happen is more and more of these opportunities, like like Tesla, like Lemonade, like other insurtech startups, like aggregators, like uh, rate comparison websites, they're just going to pick apart slowly but surely the books of business that we've built over time. And all of a sudden, we're going to yeah. pop our head up and go, oh my gosh, what happened? And the answer is, we didn't put in the work for the last decade that we needed to put in. I, I think there's one other piece of this, though, that's you know, specific to 
uh, particularly autonomous cars, but we can talk about the whole IoT thing. And that is, in addition to the problems that you've just identified, where all these people are, are you know, they're sort of getting into our kitchen and, 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 and taking some of our business, um, you and I did a, uh, a joint thing with ACT, oh, geez, it must have been two or three years ago where we did, remember it was that, we did that presentation on disruption. Um, I mean, forget about other people trying to take this, this business away from us. The fact is, you know, the, the chairman of Volvo has, you know, come right out and said, I foresee a day when a, um, and he may have even been so bold to throw a year out there. I don't know what it was and I won't, I won't commit him to it. But he said, I foresee a day when there will be no one injured or killed in an accident involving a Volvo. Okay. That whole reduction of risk is gonna pull premium out of that line of business. Whether it goes to somebody else or not, it doesn't matter. If all of a sudden there's 50% of the auto premium out there, that's a huge change that our industry has to deal with. Even if market shift doesn't take place, share shift doesn't take place, right? So, I mean, this to me is, is it's, it's the, it's the big, it's, it's the foretelling of massive changes. There are people, you're either doing the work today that's going to make you relevant five, 10 years from now, or you're not. And in five or 10 years, you can't then be upset if you're not relevant anymore. But the world is. You can't be sitting, you can't be sitting at the bar talking to me and Ryan saying how uh, you can't keep up with what we're talking about in five years because you're still trying to in internalize yeah, what we talked about this year 10 times 2017 your instagram yeah. account then as i will today if you call me so it's it's we there are going to be winners in our space and there are going to be losers and we're not going away the independent insurance industry channel is not going away um if anything i think we're going to become stronger and better at what we do i just don't think there's going to be as many of us around and I, if you want to be one of those people who are there, whether you work for a carrier or you, you're an executive in a carrier or you work for an agency or you're a producer or whatever place or whatever role you play in this industry, if you want to be here, you have to start doing the work today. You, that's, that's just the end game. I mean, I look at a guy like Seth Zaremba, right? And I use his name a lot, but he, I just think he's a great case. I think Matt Simon in Ohio. Like I said, I, I used Parker's name. I see Nick Ayers. You know what I mean? Uh, Rob McCarthy over in um, uh, downstate New York. Like these are guys uh, who are doing incredible things, um, not because they're blowing the doors off anything. I mean, all of them are doing incredibly well, but they're putting in the work, right? They're figuring it out. They're asking the questions. They're testing things. Um, and eventually they're going to figure it out if they haven't already. And and I, and I love to see that. And I love to see the carriers doing the same things. And a lot of them are, you know, I mean, just being in Ohio, I gave you one bad example, but there's two or three great examples that I ran into. And those are just the people I saw. So I, I don't mean to be so doom and gloom. I just, there, this is not a time to wait and see. You have to test and try and work and things aren't going to work and you're going to have to toss them away and try other things, but that's okay, right? That That is a completely, in today's, business world, it is completely acceptable to try something and fail because as long as you get back up and you try it again. 
And I know that's a scary proposition to, to most of our, uh, to our carrier friends because it's big organizations and no one wants to lose their job because they're the ones that put their, their head on the line for certain things. Like I get that, but, um, you know, if we're not pushing forward guys, we're just going to get past. And, and I see too many of us, it, there's no way to catch up because those of those, those companies that are ahead are just moving that much faster. So, um, I don't know. I, this got a little more, um, a little more uh, maybe hectic of a podcast than I meant it to be originally. But um, I just, I feel so strongly about the fact that this is go time. More than ever before, I, I've, I've, I've traveled and had more conversations in the last eight weeks than I have in a long time. Uh, I've been on the road seven out of the last eight weeks. I've talked to a tre- tremendous number of people. Uh, I've interviewed for this podcast three different carrier CEOs, um, th- now is go time. It just is. Um, if you're struggling with knowing how to go, reach out to us. We'll have a conversation. I don't know if we can help, but we'll talk. But um, if you talk to, we've certainly got resources we yeah, can point and, you at. If it's and the not important us. part is not that you work with Agency Nation or you work with TrustedChoice.com. The you you can do it internally. You can work with other people. That part doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that we is that we push forward and lean forward because that's how we win this game. Um, is but there just needs to be more people doing that. So Marty, I'm done. I'm, I've I've spent. I uh, I've used up all my energy. Uh, any last words from you before we get out of here? Great to be back. Uh, looking forward to our next show. I think you know one thing that we haven't done is we should do. Probably our next episode should be sort of a oh, recap. Yeah. Sure that would have been a great one to do the first one back. But but then we'd actually have to plan these more than like 20 minutes before we go on the podcast. So, <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, last pitch for anyone. Uh, ElevateConference.com. ElevateConference.com. It has begun. It has begun. Elevate is on its way. It's going to be the most gangster insurance conference in the history of the world. And I mean that in a good way. And he way. means that in a good um, way. But I, you're going to hear from all the speakers as we start interviewing them. And, and it's just, it's already going to be uh, just a rip-roaring conference, two and a half days of amazing um, content and networking. Uh, we're in Cleveland, but you got to go to elevateconference.com and get your ticket now because uh, there's about 90 tickets left at $775 as of recording this. And uh, once those are gone, the price goes up to nine seventy five, and then that's the price. So, um, got to get your ticket soon if you want it at seven seventy five. Uh, then it goes up to nine seventy five, and um, and the reason that it costs money, I got this question the other day, Ryan. Isn't that isn't that kind of expensive for an insurance conference? That's expensive for a regular insurance conference, but we have we have a lifetime worth of keynote speakers coming to this thing. I mean, we got people, I have an Emmy award-winning producer, potentially two times, just got nominated again, doing a breakout session, doing a breakout session on professional video production on Tuesday. I mean, an Emmy award-winning video producer who just got nominated again is doing a breakout session. How freaking crazy is that? That's the power of the speaker portfolio that we have coming to this thing. Get your ticket today, elevateconference.com. Marty, we're out of here, brother. We're out.